I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I sat down this morning to talk to you guys because I have so much I want to say. But do you know that every time I turn on this microphone, I get so nervous because I realize that I cannot do it myself. I have so much in me I want to share. And I cannot do it without the help of Jesus. So Jesus, would you help your servant now? In my weakness, would you be my strength? And would you use these words once again to encourage your people? Would you encourage your people to taste and see that you are so good? And those who seek you will never, ever lack what is good. Jesus, help me today, I pray. Well, today is August 28th, 2021, and I have some really good news. Some really good news because... I, I wanted to record this two days ago, and I, and I just wasn't ready. But today, we have our building permit. We moved on to this property on August 17th, 2018, and we were so excited. We were so excited, and we thought we would move on to this place, and a year later, we'd have this great, grand adventure for a year, and a year later, we would have a house, and life would be back to normal. And we were so incredibly naive. But we did. Three years ago, we moved on. We had big dreams, big plans. But primarily, we had one goal. And our goal was to move on to this place and seek first the kingdom of God with everything we had. When we moved on here, we prayed and we said, God, this land is, is yours. Do with it and do with us whatever you would have for your kingdom rule. And we asked him to use it, but never did we dream 
Never did we dream that three years later we would still be living here without a house. But my friends, on August 26th, two days ago, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, we finally received our building permit and we only had four hours to spare. Because if it had come one day later, we would have passed our deadline. And the next day, we would have been forced to put up a for sale sign. Because if our building permit had come four hours later, if it had come on the 27th instead of the 26th, we would have passed our deadline and would have had to start the process all over again, which would cost us upwards of $100,000. And we don't have that kind of money. But God, but God, and never in my wildest dreams could I have ever come up with the story that God has been writing in this place. I could have never dreamt this up. You see, I didn't realize when we first got here that what he was going to do here was never going to be about a house. He wasn't focused on building us a house. What he was building here was inside of us. He was going to build his kingdom inside of us and inside of so many of you who have been walking this road with us. It was never about a house. And I didn't realize when we first got here that I could not only be content, but full of joy, living in the humblest of living situations. but I can stand here and say these have been some of the hardest, some of the most challenging years of my life, and they have been the very best. Because those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I stand here and I testify today that those who seek the Lord Lack no good thing. When we got our building permit, and I was thinking about what I was going to share with you, I opened up my journal because I've been journaling throughout this whole process. And I opened up my journal from three years ago to that very day. So it was August 26, 2018. We had only been here for maybe three, three or four days, something like that. And my journal entry from that day was this. 
I said, okay, the reality is hitting me. This is going to be hard. But Jesus, I want to do hard well. Help me, O Lord, to live by your spirit, to live for the eternal and do hard things well. It makes me laugh. I'm crying, but it makes me laugh because we hadn't even had the fire yet. I was still dealing with just the dust. We hadn't had the fire yet. That was to come about a week later. We hadn't had the broken neck or any, you guys know, I don't need to tell you, but none of that had come. But my prayer from the very beginning was, God, would you let me do hard things well? And right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it, he has let me see that those who seek him lack nothing good because he gives us himself and he builds his kingdom inside of us. And on that same day, I had another prayer. And this one makes me cry because I prayed that God would give me a group of women to do life with. And I think about all of you. And I'm reduced to a puddle of tears because what he has done on Sunday nights and in my Tuesday Bible study, and in all of you who are joining me and reading the one-year Bible with me is beyond my wildest dreams. He's given me more than I could have ever asked or imagined. And he answered my every plea. Oh, my friends, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, would you magnify the Lord with me today? Would you exalt his name together with me today? Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. But this podcast, I want to walk you through my processing in the Word of God this week. Because the reality is, like I said, we were down to the very hour. And this past week has been so hard. But sometimes I marvel at the word of God. I absolutely marvel at the word of God because in his word, he makes us strong. 
Isn't that what we talk about every single podcast? In his word, he makes us strong. And this week, the word of God has been my help. This last Friday afternoon, I had gone down to my parents' house. And when I got there, it was actually just Esther Joy and me. Uh, I had I had dropped Mary Grace off at school. She had started her first week of school at a, at a brand new high school, which was heavy on my heart. You guys know how that is. I know I do. Going to high school when you don't know a single soul. I've been there. And the weight of the world, I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders as I was thinking about Mary Grace in her new school, as I was thinking about my husband whose work has been absolutely crushing him because of the intensity of his schedule right now. But more than anything, the weight of the world of this property and all that God had been doing here and the thought that we were down to the wire, down to the day, and I didn't know yet what God was going to do. And if you had prayed with us, if you have been here with us on Sunday night, we have never asked that God would give us a building permit. We have only asked that God would do with us whatever he would want us to do. But when you're in that place and you don't know what he's going to do. And I didn't know if he was going to move us on. And if he did, where would that be? Or if he would give us the building permit, which offers, which now opens the door beautifully speaking, to a whole new set of troubles. Our next hurdle is the bank because our our house is supposed to be complete, but I believe God is in this and he has shown his hand and he has done mighty things and we are trusting him to continue to work out his plan right here. But on that day, when I was at my parents' house, I sat there, all alone, and I, and I just felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders. Where in the world would we be by the end of the week? Would our journey be done here? Where would we be moving to? Would we, would we be called? Would God be calling us to leave everything behind? Would we be forced to put up a for sale sign on the land that we have come to so love? And the frustrating thing at that point was we were so close and the county would not even return our phone call. And it had been a month that, we'd been, that we had been waiting for that call. And so I sat on the couch and I opened up my one-year Bible from that day. And I opened up, we had been reading in Psalm 37 for three days. And I opened up on that day to Psalm 37. And I read this. 
Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Trust in the Lord, it says. Trust in the Lord, it says, and do good. And if we've talked about this before, and as I was meditating on these verses in that day at my parents' house, sitting, carrying these weight these, these burdens on my shoulders. God was saying, trust in me. Once again, Elizabeth, trust in me and do good. And remember, we've talked about this before on this, po- on this podcast, that word trust, that word trust means to run to something for refuge, to be confident and to be bold. And remember what we talked about before, that the righteous are bold as a lion and the lions turn back for none. The spirit of God was saying, oh, Elizabeth, trust in me. And I love that it said that it says, dwell in the land, right where you are, dwell in your land and befriend faithfulness. I didn't know what that meant. What does it mean to befriend faithfulness? You want to know what David was telling us to do? It was telling us, I looked it up. It was telling us to chew on the faithfulness of God like an animal would chew on its cud. Now, I watch my sheep do this every single day. They eat all their alfalfa, and then they lay down in the the shade, and they chew, and they chew, and they chew all day long. And David is telling us to do that with the faithfulness of our God. He says, dwell in the land. And chew on the faithfulness of God. Elizabeth, right where you are, in, in my case, I was looking at it as right where you are, you're, 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 you're dwelling in the land where I have put you. And chew on the faithfulness of what I have done over and over and over and over again for the past three years. He has never let us down. We have had so many needs. I cannot tell you how many times we've sent out a text, meet in the tent, we need to pray. 
and we have presented, we have put our prayers in the hands of our God, and he has met us there right in the middle of our need every single time. And God was saying, trust in me. Be bold as a lion and feed and graze and chew on my faithfulness all day long. And do you know what that does? Do you realize what that chewing on God's faithfulness does within us? It causes us to trust. The more we chew and chew, you could call it meditation. We're called to meditate on the word of God. Right here, it's saying, befriend faithfulness. Chew on the faithfulness of God and do it over and over and over. And what it does is it creates that boldness. It creates that trust, that confidence within us because that is exactly what we're chewing on. Listen, this is how I preach to myself. I'm really showing you today how I take the word of God and preach to myself as he speaks his word over me. And all throughout this psalm, Psalm 37, it tells us, fret not fret not. You see, I have a choice in, in, in every moment. And in this situation, I had a choice to make. Was I going to fret over the county and over the clock that was ticking closer and closer to our deadline? Was I going to fret on that? Or was I going to befriend faithfulness? And chew on the faithfulness of God and everything that he had done for us over the past three years. See, I could fret over all the things. It would be so easy. And, I'm, and I've done it all too many times. I could fret over the things that have gone wrong. I could really, really fret. I talked about this with some friends recently. I could really, really fret over the county not returning our phone calls. I could fret over COVID because they're the ones that have shut. That's the what's shut this whole thing down. I could fret over all of the regulations and I could fret and fret and fret over and over about the absolute injustice of this entire process that we've gone through with the county. But over and over again, this Psalm tells us to fret not. In other words, don't get yourself, Elizabeth, all worked up about that stuff. Don't do it. It's a trap. And that word fret means don't to burn or be kindled with anger. Isn't that what our fretting does? And when I do, begin to fret because that's exactly what I was doing when I was sitting there on the couch that morning. I must do what the word of God says to do. 
and take every thought captive. Bind it up. Take it captive and make it obedient to the cross of Jesus Christ and befriend faithfulness. Fret not to on the faithfulness of God. Verse seven says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And to be still, to me, it's the absolute opposite of fretting because to be still means to be silent in both speech and motion. And I, and I actually laughed when I saw this because of what, what I was dealing with in my own mind because I wanted to move. I wanted to go to the county every day, every day, every day. Call, call, call. Pester my husband. Pester the architect. What about this? What about this? What about this? Fret, 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 fret. God says, be still. Be still. Trust in him and he will. And Derek said the same thing. I have so much honor and respect for my husband because he would not fret. He said, Elizabeth, I will call. I will follow up, but I will do it in a way that is good and right and appropriate. And he never did it. Frettingly, he never once did. And we knew, and Derek knew, the rest was in God's hands. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act and he will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. And though these things are so important to me and my family, what about when you turn on your television set and see what is happening in Afghanistan? What about being a Christian over there and the Taliban are taking over? When Christians are being hunted down and executed. I was getting emails over the last couple of weeks. I'm sure many of you have as well from different ministry organizations. And many of them were asking for prayer for their friends and coworkers within Af Afghanistan. And most of us, most of them, what the, what the emails were saying is that most of the Christians in that part of the world did not believe that they would even be alive at the end of the week. And it made my circumstances and my 
fretting seem so small. And I've been studying in the book of Hebrews with a, with a group of ladies on Thursday mornings. And this last week we went to this verse and it says, Hebrews 13, 3, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them. And those who are mistreated, since you are also are in the body. And our charge in that verse is this. I must remember those Christians on the other side of the world in Afghanistan as if the Taliban were coming after me and my family. How would I be praying if at any moment they could knock at my door? What if it just wasn't the county of San Diego that I was dealing with here? All of that is, is just small stuff. And the weight of the world was on my shoulders all over again as I thought about the overwhelming pressure that I know I would be in if I were in their shoes. And how I wanted the king of the universe to come in and reign over that situation. But God is so good to use his word to speak right to where we are. Because as I worked my way through Psalm 37 that morning, he spoke even regarding Afghanistan. Look at Psalm 37, verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their, their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Look at verse 28. For the Lord loves justice and he will not forsake his saints. I love the story of General Stonewall Jackson. I honestly don't remember really anything. My husband would probably be ashamed because he's a, he's a, he's a Civil War buff. He's a, he's a history buff. 
He loves American history, and he probably knows all the facts about General Stonewall Jackson. I remember one. I remember sitting in a movie theater watching a movie about him. And I don't remember anything about the movie except for one thing. And that's where he got his name. You see, when he would go out in the battlefield, he would ride his horse out onto the battlefield. And you guys have seen the movies. The battlefields were were absolutely gruesome. But people said about him that when he was on the battlefield, in the middle of the most gruesome of battles, General Jackson was like a stone wall. Do you know why that is? Do you know how he said that he, when he, when he was asked about this, they say, how can you be that confident when you were on the battlefield? And his answer was this, because I know in whom I have trusted and I am just as safe in his hands on the battlefield as I am in my very own bed. That is stunning faith. We actually have a giant Marema puppy. He's like, he's like a great Pyrenees. He's the size of a small horse. He's absolutely huge. And his, his, his job is to guard our property. And we named him General Stonewall Jackson. His nickname is the General because of this man. Because this man, I love so much because of that. He knew in whom he had trusted. And he said, I am just as safe on the battlefield as I am in my own bed because I've placed myself in his hands. And the good news is he is absolutely right. He was right. Do you believe this? Do I believe this? And do I live this way? If the Taliban were coming to knock at my door, would I have that kind of faith that would say, I am just as safe right here because I am in the hands of my God. Psalm 37, 39, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. Oh God, would you make me into a stone wall? I don't want to waver. I don't want to waver no matter what comes at me. And I'm going to be honest with you. 
I'm going to be honest with you because I used to struggle when I when I've read things from the voice of the martyrs and I know people all over the world have endured the most horrendous circumstances for the sake of Christ. And I I used to struggle with this so much and oftentimes I still do. But I I remember God speaking to me so specifically. One day as I was wrestling with this, I, I, I was actually standing in my, in my kitchen. Caleb was about one years old. He was crawling on the floor. I was doing my dishes and I was wrestling in my mind. I, must, I don't even remember why. I must have heard some sort of a story of what Christians were enduring in other parts of the world. And I didn't know. I did not know. if my faith would fail me at a time like that. And it was ripping me apart. I am a total wimp. And when I hear those type of stories, I crumble. See, my pain tolerance on a scale of one to 10 is a zero. I know it. I'm a total wimp. God knows it too. But I don't want to deny him. Should the Taliban ever come to my door, I don't want to deny my Lord. But in that moment, would I be able to stand or would my faith? As I was doing my dishes that day, a John MacArthur sermon came on and it, and it has brought me so much comfort over the years. Again, I only remember one thing about that sermon. He said this, he said, you do not need to fret or worry about whether or not you will stand or fall under that kind of persecution. You don't need to worry about that because God will give you the grace to stand when you need it. Not before. Do you realize what good news this is? God will give you the very grace you need at the very time you need it, regardless of the trial that you're facing. His grace will always be in exact proportion to the trial that you face. It doesn't matter if it is the county or the Taliban. His grace will be and always is absolutely sufficient because he gives us himself. That is the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what grace is. God extending himself to give himself away no matter what. You face. 
I think it was so appropriate as as we've watched on the news these past couple weeks, all the trials and everything that's been happening in the country of Afghanistan, that we are also, or we just also recently finished up reading through the book of Esther. You see, the Jews in the time that the book of Esther was taking place were a hunted people as well. Turn to the book of Esther with me for a minute and let's look at Esther chapter three, verse 12. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month and an edict according to all that Haman commanded was written to the king's satraps and to the governors over all the provinces and to all the officials of all the peoples, to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. And it was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. And letters were sent by couriers over all the king's provinces with instruction And this was the instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. Can you imagine? I think sometimes, at least I do, I think sometimes we can lose the urgency of the book of Esther and get get lost in in some of the, the craziness of the book, like the beauty pageant that went on. And I think the entire book as a whole, as we look at Haman and Mordecai and all that done and the feast that Esther prepared and all of this, I think the entire book as a whole is written in sort of a lighthearted way. But listen, the Jewish people were going to be annihilated. All of the Jews, young and old, women and children. And the date was set on one single day. Total annihilation was going to take place on the 13th of the month of Adar. But what I love about this book and what I thought was so timely for for us watching the television set today or watching the news headlines come up on our feed. What I love so much about this book is that because it shows us the incredible workings of God behind the scenes. God knew exactly what was going to happen to his people. He knew exactly what was going to happen long before that edict was ever written. And he had set in motion a plan to save his people before they ever even needed to be saved. Because that's who God is. And the book of Esther gives us a behind the scene view of this working of God And listen, it never even mentions his name. The book of Esther never mentions the name of God, but his hand 
is all over the pages. We see his hand in the refusal of Vashti, in the beauty pageant, in how Esther was chosen to be queen out of all the other women that Esther herself was chosen to be queen. We see his hand in all the circumstances surrounding Mordecai, down to the detail of God's hand in the sleepless night of the king. And what it teaches us is that God rules over all. He is sovereign over all, down to the very details of a king and a kingdom. And nothing can stay his hand. His purpose will stand no matter what. And listen, he will not forsake his people. Isn't that what we read in Psalm 37? He will not forsake his people. He loves justice and justice will be done and his people will not be forsaken. And for me, as I took in the articles of all that was happening in Afghanistan, I was able to read it and I have to read it in light of the book of Esther. We need to get our heads around this because we cannot go by what we see in the headlines. We need to read the headlines through the lens of scripture. And scripture says, God has never forsaken his people. He did not forsake his people in the time of Esther. And he will not forsake his people in Afghanistan today. But you need to hear this. God will not forsake his people. But that does not mean they will not die. It simply means that even in death, he will not forsake them. Look at the story of Stephen in the Bible. He was stoned to death. He was a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was not forsaken. Listen to what it says in the book of Acts. It says, but he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And as they were stoning Stephen, he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. 
and when he had said this, he fell asleep. And his testimony is this. Even in death, he was not forsaken. Because in the middle of the trial, he looked to heaven and he saw with his eyes Jesus Christ, the Son of God, standing at the right hand of the throne. And think with me, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel, the Son of God was in the fire with them. This is our faith. This is our faith, and this is our strength, and this is our hope, no matter what will come. No matter what will come, God will never forsake his saints. These are all just the things, the county, Afghanistan. These are all just the things that I've been thinking through and wrestling through with scripture as I've been reading the headlines. And I want to be faithful to my Lord to take every thought captive to his obedience. And as I was doing that this week, as I, as I was trying to do that to the best of my ability this week, I, I opened up my Bible to Romans chapter eight. I've, I've spent a lot of time as as have so many of us, but the riches of this chapter will just go on and on and on and on. And the more we read it, the more grace we will receive from it. But when I was reading, thinking through the book of Esther, Afghanistan, Psalm 37, the county, I came to this, this verse and I think I saw it with new eyes and it simply took my breath away. Romans 8, 18 says this, for I consider, and that word consider means, we've talked about this word before, that word consider means to come to a bottom line, to reason in your mind and come to a logical conclusion. For I consider that the sufferings or the agonies of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. And you know, it's one thing when I look around at all the things that me and my family have been through on this property these past three years. And God is saying, these sufferings, if you could call them that, these sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. 
And that means that suffering means that verse means that when put on a scale, all of my sufferings, no matter what they may be, all of my sufferings are gonna be placed on one side and the glory that is to be revealed to us will be placed on the other. And it's not even worth comparing. When put on a scale, the glory will always far outweigh the sufferings. But like I said, like I said earlier, my sufferings, they're just peanuts. Don't get me wrong, not when we're going through it. All that we went through with the county really meant a lot to us this week. But when I thought again of the Christians in Afghanistan or the Christians all over the world, and as I tried and tried, though I must confess I failed, but as I tried to live and remember them, as I was taking that verse in Hebrews 13, three, as I was supposed to live and remember them, as I was suffering right along with them, as I was walking that road with them, this verse in Romans 8, just, it, it, it like, it overwhelmed me. Because this, this verse is just as true for them as it is for us. And it says even those kind of sufferings that are so full of agony, when put on a scale, the glory will far outweigh them all. And it says further down that the spirit himself helps us in our weakness. And that help means that he's going to come alongside of us. He is literally knit together with us in the middle of our suffering. And right there, he is going to aggressively, this word, this word for help is an aggressive word that he is going to take hold of us in a way that exactly corresponds to the suffering that we are facing. His help, when it says the Spirit will help us in our weakness, His help will always correspond exactly to the suffering we are facing no matter what it is. His grace will always give us what we need when we need it. And so we can say with Esther, if I perish, I perish for I am here for such a time as this. What can we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Who is to condemn? Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised and who is at the right hand, just like with Stephen. He is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation Tribulation is a narrow place that hems someone in. It speaks of an internal pressure that is so great that someone feels completely confined. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. How about distress? Do you know what distress is? Complete, overwhelming anguish. How about persecution? Shall persecution separate us from the love of Christ? Do you know what this persecution is? This persecution is being aggressively chased like a hunter pursuing a catch prize. Now, doesn't that sound like the people and the headlines that we're watching in Afghanistan today? They're being aggressively chased, hunted down. Christians being pursued like a lion after a catch prize. But the word of God says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. And we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. I never saw it this way before. Until this week, as I thought about my brothers and sisters, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But God's word, God's word says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall any of these things, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or sword, God's word answers, no way. No way. 
it says, in all these things. In all these things, when we are hemmed in and the internal pressure of the situation makes us feel like there is no way out. When the narrowness of our space makes us feel a sense, a sense of such extreme affliction that our soul screams out in anguish. And when we don't have enough food for, to feed our children or clothes on our backs, or we are being aggressively chased, hunted down like prey. God's word says no way. In all these things. In all these things. We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors, and that means we are completely and overwhelmingly victorious through him who loves us. For I am sure, I am completely and utterly convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when it says that none of these things will separate, this means he will not divorce us as a man does when he separates from his wife. He will not separate himself from us no matter how bad it gets. He will not do that no matter how bad it gets. Listen, I don't want to be foolish with the people in Afghanistan. These are just my thoughts, my musings as I have wrestled this week of what it would look like if I were in their shoes. But I am speaking of things I do not know. I have never been hunted. And I cannot imagine being so. But I have, but I have felt anguish. Haven't we all? I have felt deep, abiding anguish that I thought would never go away. People of Af Afghanistan, I do not know that. 
So I am going to close today with what I do know. Most of you know that this book, the book of Esther, means the world to me because my precious six-year-old little girl with Down syndrome, who is the most precious thing in the world to me. She's named after this story, after the book of Esther. And I, and I think I've shared a little bit about her story on a previous podcast. I shared how I walked through deep, deep depression and how that, that depression was linked with Esther's story. You can go back. I told the whole story on another podcast. You can go back and listen to it. I won't go through all of that again today. But that, what I didn't share then, that was only half of Esther's story. After all that, after my season of depression was all said and done, there was a time in my life when everything came crashing down. Everything I knew, everything I trusted, everything that meant anything to me came crashing down in an instant. And it was one of those times when I felt like everything, absolutely everything inside of me was being absolutely crushed to pieces. The truth is, my husband and my marriage were both falling apart. And I felt like nothing would ever or could ever make it better. Derek and I had actually gone on a trip to Hawaii at that time. He was working there and I had gone along with him to deal, to try to deal with some of these issues. But one of the mornings after he had left for work, I was alone in the hotel room and I was on the floor. And I was sobbing. I was heaving, heavy, uncontrollable sobs before my God. But as I cried, Romans chapter 8 came into my mind. And I wanted to go there because of the verse that said that even in my groanings, the spirit of God himself would intercede for me in a way that was beyond words. That his groanings for me were too deep for words. And that's what I needed in that moment because at that time, I didn't even know how to pray. I needed, I needed him to do it for me. Now, just a side note to the story. I had gone through a period 
at that time of about 10 years when I did not write anything in my Bible. And I did so at that time because I wanted to know the scriptures so well, not because of the pink highlighter that I had so highlighted a verse or because I had written this here or there. I just wanted to know the words of God. And so I picked up my Bible and I opened up to Romans 8, to the verse that talked about the groanings of his spirit. And as I stared down at these verses, my tears were falling all over the page. But as they landed on the page before me, I saw something in them. I saw something there on that page that I will never forget. I saw two words. Interestingly enough, they were circled together in the faintest pencil that you could ever see. But in that moment, they were shining forth to me as a beacon of light with such power. With such power, my life has never been the same. Do you know what they were? Two words. All things. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. All things. And right there in that moment, God was saying, Elizabeth, I see you. I see you right where you are. And it is dark and it is so hard, but I am going to make it so good. I am going to make even this place that you are in good because that's what I do with all things. And he birthed in me a fire that day. And I promised him that I would stand on that promise no matter what would come. That he would make all things, that he would make this thing work for my good no matter how dark 
or how hard they seemed right now. He would work them for my good. And listen, I made a covenant with the God of the Bible that day because Christ Jesus has promised that he will not separate from me. He will not divorce himself from me. And if marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, then my covenant to my God is that my marriage would match that calling. That no matter what, no matter what, unless Christ Jesus himself divorced himself from his church, I would never leave my marriage or divorce myself from Derek. I would not dishonor my God by breaking that picture. And that day, I surrendered myself. And Derek surrendered himself to that calling. And I stand here 10 years later to say he has done it. And he has made us completely and overwhelmingly victorious because that is what he said he would do. But even more, God has given Derek and I a very precious gift. He has given us forever a visual picture of these verses, and I get to experience it every single day. And her name is Esther Joy. Esther Joy is our visible representation and the evidence of the absolute healing of my husband and the healing of my marriage. Esther Joy is God's all things to us. And those of you who come around our property often enough have heard by this time Derek's special whistle he has just for Esther Joy. Whenever he calls her, and I could never do it, 
but many, so many of you know it. He whistles when he gets home from work or when he sees her in the distance. He whistles in that special way. And when he does, Esther Joy takes off running to her daddy. But you want to know what I hear? Every time I hear him whistle for Esther, every time I hear him whistle, the Spirit of God whispers in my ear all things. Because all things are working for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. He has never forsaken me. He has never forsaken us when we have cried out to him regarding this property, no matter what has come our way. He did not forsake his people, the Jews, in the time of Esther. And he will not forsake his people in Afghanistan today. Oh, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, my friends, won't you magnify the Lord with me today? And let us exalt his name together. Forgetting what lies behind, and straining forward to what lies ahead. Let us press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And listen to me one last time. This word, to press on, it means to aggressively chase like a hunter pursuing a catch prize. And the prize catch is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Won't you do this together with me this week? Would you go after him with everything you've got? In peace like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrow I see billows roll Whatever my life Thou have taught me to say
My soul. 